This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children. Wait a minute. I don't say that. I'm no, you behind don't. The pen. I say that. Sean Anderson says that. Hey. He joins me today on Behind the Pen. And welcome in, my friends, to another episode of my favorite show on the Most Valuable Podcast Network, um, Not Knocking Your Primetime Podcast. You're the worst. <laughs> I, know, I know you're just doing it to mess with me, too. <laughs> the Fast Break, Sean Anderson hosts. And honestly, I love giving him crap because back in the day, if you're uh, OGs of Most Valuable Podcast, I always get it wrong whenever I have Sean <laughs> on the show. I always introduce him as the primetime podcast host, but he's on the Fast Break. That's Ricky. With, with Ricky and Dave. And uh, hopefully you can listen to this entire link, which you can find it on blogtalkradio.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. It is strictly baseball conversation today. Because the winter meetings have concluded, and so much have gone down, especially here in Chicago with your favorite team. I love it. The White Sox. I mean, the one thing that just does kind of put a damper, because I was on such a high after we traded Chris Sale, and then the Eaton deal comes in, and I'm freaking like, out. But then I realized our field's still called Guaranteed Rate yes. Field. Fly, I, I still have to deal with fly that. Fly the arrow. Fly the downward arrow. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't out, want to do that. Shout out Right Sox blog on uh, Twitter, uh, which you can follow us, by the way. We are on Twitter, at Most Available Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Available Podcast. Give us a like, comment below. Let us know what you think about us saying things and stuff. So let's get right into this conversation we are going to have. It's going to be a full-length podcast. We have so many topics on hand. White Sox, Red Sox, Nationals, winners and losers of the winter meetings, as well as major signings and trades. Throughout this offseason to this point, it is December 8th. Sean, let's start with the White Sox. Your Chicago White Sox. Yes. Chris Sale. Chris Sale is on the move, and we kind of expected this, right, going into the offseason. I mean, the White Sox had to commit to either a full rebuild or they're going to go half in and half out. We know that it didn't work. So right now, Rick Hahn's like, screw it. We're gonna build. We're just gonna build it from the ground up. We're gonna tear it down. What we have now, Chris Sale has such a valuable commodity placed upon his head that you get guys like the number one prospect in baseball from the Boston Red Sox, Yon Moncada, Michael Kopech, who is uh, one of the top prospects in baseball, pitching prospects, power arm, projected to be a starter. He could be the next Thor, pretty much. I mean, he uh, well, looks like Syndergaard. Easy, yeah. easy comparison yeah, there with long, like luscious locks, you know, the blonde locks. Luis Alexander, uh, uh, Basabe, center fielder, lots of potential there in mm-hmm. center. And then he, he's, he's just, oh, my God, it's so exciting. He's, he's such a <laughs> healthy balance of power, speed, and contact. And then you have Victor Diaz, another young right-handed reliever who's 22 years old. And that was just for Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. So you just totally revitalized your farm system to a to an extent after one move. Then you move on the next day. This is within like 30 hours. They trade Adam Eaton to the Nationals for the third overall prospect, according to MajorLeagueBaseball.com, Lucas Giolito. And then you also acquire Reynaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning, two uh, other pitching prospects who have tons of potential attached to them. Sean, how are you feeling about this right now? I am ecstatic. I mean, Brandon Swanson and I, in, in, our, in the group chat we have with all the guys from MVP, we were like, all right, let's look into season tickets. For real. Because, I mean, now it's I, I'm excited about this team. I don't care if the team's going to win you know, 62 games or if that's the ceiling next year. It's because we finally have a farm system. And I remember back in 2010 or whatever it was when Keith Law came out with his top prospects list and he was like the White Sox are 30 and it's not close to being 29 and now after this trade I think it was uh, Nightingale on Twitter who said the White Sox have picked up seven prospects in less than 30 hours 
Five pitchers included, and then their system jumped 15 clubs in prospect status. I mean, it's crazy to say that we actually have a farm system, and then I'm excited for multiple prospects instead of one. Because usually it's just like one guy that comes up in the ranks. Usually it's like a Chris Sale or a Quintana or a Tim Anderson. It's never a lot of guys. Or a Gordon Beckham, too, if sure. we want to talk flops. Uh, but you know, it's usually one guy that's coming up for the the, the Sox, and now we have multiple guys that have. Well, it's because what the White Sox wanted to do in the past was trade these commodities, yes. right? This value, uh, young prospects, and turn it into immediate results on the field. And you know, it worked in '05, mm-hmm. right? They put it together in yeah. 2005, won a World Series. But then after that, they kind of went through that mold, and we saw signings like Adam Dunn. I mean, they would sign guys late in the season like Kevin Euclid. You know, it was just like kind of boggle the mind a little bit and it goes back to even last offseason when they traded that package for Frazier mm-hmm. they lost Trace Thompson and honestly if we look back at all of the moves the White Sox did to acquire you know major league ready talent or proven guys they really didn't lose much because they're like you said that farm system was not strong whatsoever it wasn't really like they they lost a game-changing prospect I mm-hmm. mean right now Trace Thompson may, may look like the biggest loss of the White Sox, but even then, I mean, there's still talks that where he's a part of tr- trades for the Dodgers, right? So it's coming not, back, so we it, might even. Be it's able not to get that back. exaggerated. Yeah. It's just the White Sox have been sort of mediocre for a long time now, and right now the direction that they're going is sustained success, similar to what the Cubs did. Yeah, and one thing that I, I when you bring that up too is like we haven't lost much because when we make these trades, I think like the only times where we've ever been bitten by a trade is I think it was. Like the best prospect we've given up was Gio Gonzalez one year, and yeah, I think that twice. was yeah, I think that was the biggest trade that we we've or biggest player that we've given up. We haven't given up a lot, and really you know been like look back and like oh we shouldn't have given this guy up. We haven't been bitten by trades too many times. Right, it was just the incompetency of the front office not putting together a solid product in the field. But right now, all of a sudden, yeah, you're going to go through this trepid you know season maybe two uh, for the White Sox, may lose a hundred games in 2017. But that's the price you pay to look at what you have on the field in terms of young players and young talent. Something to be excited about as a White Sox fan. They now have six of the top 100 prospects in, in Major League Baseball. And before this week, we had two of them. And it was it was two guys that we drafted recently. We had Collins and mm-hmm. we had Fulmer. And that yep. was it. And then now we bring in you know six Mon- other guys. Moncada, Giolito, Kopech, and Reynaldo Lopez. Mm-hmm. Lopez 38, Kopech 30, Giolito 3. Moncota won. You have the number one and number three prospects in baseball out of two moves. It's a good feeling. It's a fantastic feeling. Top four of the White Sox' ten best prospects were acquired in two moves. This is unbelievable. And then another thing to note is that seven of their top ten prospects are pitchers. You can never not have enough pitchers. And one thing, too, the Sox do so well with is developing pitchers. Chris Sale, Mark Burley, uh, Quintana. I mean, we have a ton of guys that come up through Rodan. our system. Rodon. Uh, we, we have so many guys that come up through our system and, and develop with Don Cooper, and, and they become gr- great pitchers with within the White Sox organization. We don't see a lot of times where you know we, we go out and get a already made pitcher outside of 2005. So really, we usually develop in-house pitching talent, and it's worked out for us so far. So getting so many guys that Don Cooper can work with, it's something that's really exciting as a fan. And really, the one thing that is kind of worrying is we don't have a lot of bats, but still we have a lot of players that we can move for bats. So right now, I'm on cloud nine. Let's move on to that conversation now, mm-hmm. because the White Sox aren't necessarily done making moves. I hope not. Because you look at the roster right now, and it's just like, keep this going, guys. Mm-hmm. You have Quintana, possibly uh, expendable. Todd Frazier, Abreu, Melky, 
All of these, all of these players are sort of on the radars the of teams. The whole bullpen. David Robertson, Nate Jones, even mm-hmm. there, are, there are conversations going on as we speak. Uh, apparently, the Nationals aren't done working with the White Sox, and, yeah. and Rick Hahn's like, "Hey Rizzo, yeah, he's like, let me manipulate your system a little more." And the one thing too that Hahn even said was, "We would be thrilled if we did four more pre- press conferences before we leave here." So right. he wants to make trades. And another thing too is, you know, they even told the Nationals like the Nationals really wanted. Uh, the Sox to throw in Robertson in the Eaton deal and possibly more go, would go to the White Sox there, but they want to get the most out of their players. They want to get the most value. It's not like, hey, buy one Adam Eaton you can get Dave Robertson for 25% off. You can get the most out of your players, and I think it's the smartest move that Rick Hahn is making, and this is something that I've been telling you uh-huh. uh, off of this, uh, off of recording in, in, in other places, that we just need to go out. We need to go out and sell, and, and this is one thing that the Sox need to do is we can't be the Chicago Bulls. We can't always be trying to compete or bring in old veterans. We need to build up from the ground ground up because the Sox haven't done that. The Sox have been to the playoffs, I think, three times in the past 20 years. I mean, it's something ridiculously uh, pathetic what the what the Sox have done playoff wise. We need to build up from the up from the ground up. And it's a changing league, right? And we see that kind of philosophy across the board. We saw a transformation of a Houston Astros franchise. We see the transformation of the Chicago Cubs trans, uh, franchise. We're seeing it with Philadelphia. We're seeing it with Atlanta. Yankees, too, are doing it. And the Yankees, well, they did it in a year, yeah. almost. And they're still going to be relevant next season, but I'm not going to take them seriously. That'll be for another podcast when I you know talk about other things and stuff. Yeah. But I'm looking at the White Sox, and this is in the direction of the Major League Baseball. This is the way to do it. You talk about the impact of young players emerging in Major League Baseball today and the Sox have the number one and number three prospects in baseball so that's what you want to do. Lucas Giolito is coming off Tommy John surgery I just wanted to throw that in there. He said it twice in his career, too. It's un- he had it's, it when it's, he came into the league. It's unbelievable, the epidemic of Tommy John surgeries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he I guess, in a way, he got it out of the way. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm also worried about Michael Kopech because that guy hit 105. And he sits 95-97, but that, it's like... Wh- one thing with Kopech, too, he's also got a little bit of anger issues because he missed the last half of the season after punching a teammate, and he was injured yeah, after he, punching the teammate. He's, he's kind of a head case, and that's yeah. something that was mentioned, too, uh, upon acquiring the player, is that, yeah, he's uh, he's a little outspoken, uh, n- n- no question about it. I don't know if you saw this on, on social media, but he and his girlfriend, I guess, posted a bunch of pictures of them. They were on some sort of vacation and they were just like flaunting. Oh, they're beautiful people. We uh-huh. can't, we can't, obviously, but it's just like, hmm. That was one thing in the hmm. group chat, too, where it was like, oh, did you see Kopech's girlfriend? I'm like, this is what we're worried about. Oh, I mean, it's fastball. I mean, it's, well, yeah. I mean, we talk about That's Ben Zober's. That's what I'm more excited about. I don't give a shit about his girlfriend. Well, sure. Ben Zober's wife, he, like, she sings for Ben Zobras and you know God <laughs> see you <laughs> Juliana Zobras is a nutcase I know I know it's, it's, oh but um, uh, I remember when David uh, DeJesus was in Chicago oh my God, I forgot about him his wife his Ooh. wife's nuts too beautiful Beautiful. Anyway, we 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 digress Anyways. here. No, but that's that's one of the things we look at Michael Kopech and it's like okay we we got to keep an eye on that and then I don't know like you have Brett Laurie on the roster still. He's sort of a, a mental case, and that's been yeah. obvious. But I don't know how long he's going to stay with the Chicago White Sox. They decided to actually re-sign him, which I don't think was a bad move. Well, he gotta, was good last year. They got they got to fill the, the <laughs> roster someone some has, way. Someone has to play because right now I'm looking at the White Sox depth chart, um, and you have Charlie Tilson and Avi Garcia in center and right field. Avi's going to be your everyday right fielder unless somebody like Jason Coates comes up, and yeah. like that's like okay, well, or if you sign someone. Well, right now it's yeah. like. 
you expect 2017 to be this year of, okay, let's see what we have in our young players. Let's give them time. That may mean Matt Davidson will get some playing time at the major league level, which so far it looks like he's been a major bust. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you look at guys like Jacob May. I'm really excited about Jacob May, a prospect in the Chicago White Sox system. He's got speed. Uh, One of the, such a high grade defensively scouts have been giving him uh, in center field. That's somebody to keep an eye on. Charlie Tilson was acquired last season from the Cardinals. Unfortunately, got hurt in his debut with the White Sox, yeah. which is like a trend that new players have. With the, I don't understand it. I don't understand either. And, and one thing, too, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Courtney Hawkins, too, who we drafted sure. a, a, a while ago. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of progression from him yet. But, I mean, he was a top 10 pick, I believe. Or he, he was a, at least a first rounder. I, I remember that. You're going to see Carson Fulmer, Zach Collins, Zach Birdie. All of these guys. Yeah, you're, you're. I mean, we've drafted a lot of guys, and it's more seeing the progression, too. And, and, I mean, looking at the prospect list, I mean, if you look at the top five, there's one guy that was actually drafted by the Sox, and that's Fulmer. And, and we saw a little bit of Fulmer, Fulmer last they year. They rushed him. Yeah, he wasn't fantastic, but, I mean, he was he's, still, he's no. still young. Uh, and, and with that is, I mean, you just got to give him time. And you're going to have Giolito down. He's going to start probably in, in AAA. You're going to have Kopech obviously down because he's really young. Lopez is, is going to be a fringe guy. He's most likely, sh- he should start in AAA, but I, I, he would probably appear in the in the ML, uh, MLB a you're little bit. You're going to see a lot of these guys in you 2017. Will. Yeah. Especially Moncada. Like that guy, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say right now that this guy is legit. Switch hitter, health. I talked about a healthy balance of power within uh, the 20 year old center fielder that they acquired, Luis Alexander Basabe. Well, you look at Johan Mancota, this guy has superstar potential. And he's and a five tool player. He's second baseman, uh, solid defensively. Most likely to play third, though, for the Sox. No, they, they want to develop him at second, and that's his position. You put him at second, you leave him played, there. He played third yeah, with he the could play third. Sox, he, Red Sox. He could play third, he could play second, but they. I think the White Sox, uh, Rick Hahn said they're going to commit to him at second base. This is super exciting. You have a you have a middle infield of Tim Anderson and Moncada. That. That's fantastic. He's got power. He's got speed. He can hit for average. He can hit. He can throw. I, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, he can he can get you thirty homers too and fifty steal fifty bags. I mean, the kid's ridiculous. I mean, he could fly out there. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, and I'm not even. A, I love watching this transition. I mean, it was so fun going through. And now the difference between the Cubs and Sox as we end this. White Sox conversation is the Cubs had to lose consecutive uh, seasons worth of uh, 90 games plus to get to the point where they are today. They drafted what they had. Of course. Yeah. yeah you got Schwarber and, and Bryant and uh, Baez they drafted. Took them a while to develop uh, Baez, all these other players too. And you then drafted they, Vogelbach and traded them for Montgomery, a guy yeah. who got the last out in the World Series. You, you look at also Addison Russell's, uh, the way they acquired him. And then mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a luck there too because they, Joe Matt. And Rizzo, too. I mean, Rizzo and wasn't Rizzo a was finished acquired, product. But he was drafted by their GM, uh, yeah. Jed Hoyer, and then eventually made his way to Chicago. Padres, Red Sox. Because, so they can technically say he was developed by the men running the ship mm-hmm. for Chicago. But it's a different conversation. But the White Sox, all of a sudden, because of their value and, I guess, their half-in, half-out philosophy, they were able to have guys like Chris Sale, who they drafted and developed. And it's unfortunate, as a, as a fan, to see a franchise, once-in-a-lifetime pitcher go... But in, in, on the other hand, see with that though, with with sale, I mean, it's kind of it's like when AJ left, there was some bitterness because it's like, oh, it sucks. But we never had to see Frank Thomas go. I mean, Frank Thomas just kind of fell apart, and, and then we just let him go. Right. We never had to see Paulie go. I mean, it, right. It's with sale, it's more of a, a guy that couldn't win with you, and it's bittersweet. It's kind of like Magdalene Ordonez. 
because Mags was a great player, but Mags wasn't going to help this team do anything, and, and, you know, specifically win wise. Well, I disagree. I thought with the White Sox, I was pissed when they when they got rid of him because Mags was one of their best hitters at the time. He was, but it was more of but the what, state what, of the White Sox. Yeah, and what what happened too after we traded Mags? We won. Well, that's well, I'm just saying you different situations in different parts of their franchise history. Like right now with the, with with Chris Sale. Are you going to win in three or, three, or, three or four years? Maybe. I think the White Sox are going to be good uh, in two to three. I think this could this could turn like really good in three. Yeah. I think I think in two to three years will kind of be where the Cubs were in 2014, 2015, when you, when you surprisingly won. It's like won. 2015, they just come out of nowhere yeah. and win 90 games. Yeah, I don't think we're going to win 90 games, but I think you know we'll have that same expectations that the Cubs did, because Cubs were expected to at least compete for the wild card if right. they if they you know hit all their expectations, and obviously they, just they hit more than the water. that right. with and Joe Madden. So too. to end this White Sox conversation, going back to my point, they have the value to revitalize their system in a short period of time. It's going to take time for them to develop these players, but at the same time, because of the sales, the Frasers, the Lorries, uh, not Lori, yeah, the, the Abreu's, and I feel like Abreu and Frazier are going to be gone as, as well as Robertson. Really, with the must-goes, it should be Frazier, Robertson, I wrote this down. Frazier, Dodgers have been talking about him, I think that's an obvious move. Depends on Justin Turner. Yeah, Robertson, too. Uh, Rangers need bullpen help. Also, the Nationals. Loser, loser of Chapman and Kenley, which will most likely will be the Nationals or the Dodgers. Uh, Abreu to the Mariners or Rockies, they need first baseman help. Uh, the Mariners do. And Quintana, too. I mean, Mariners don't have that deep of a rotation outside of Felix, and Felix hasn't been that great. You have Iwakuma as just well. Trade uh, Taiwan Walker. You just trade Taiwan Walker. Astros have been uh, have been linked, but also I think you trade a guy like Quintana to the NL. So maybe the Cubs get him back in. The Rockies need some help. The Dodgers obviously are always looking for pitchers' help. So I think I think that's those are guys that need to go. Plenty, plenty, Melky too of possibilities for this White Sox and Rick Hahn to do more mm-hmm. and increase the uh, progression of the farm system. So on December eighth, after two days of the winter meetings, the White Sox. Totally revamped their farm system. Have six top 100 prospects in 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 Major League Baseball, and four of the White Sox 10 best prospects were acquired in two moves. So bravo, Chicago White Sox and Rick Hahn. We're gonna move on now to our second topic, and that is the Boston Red Sox. And I want to talk about the Red Sox because they are an intriguing bunch of guys. Right, Uh, last year they made a they made an impressive run, and I personally was not a fan of the Red Sox before the season. And I didn't really I wasn't really buying into the Red Sox. Yeah, they they acquired David Price, but I was kind of weary of their rotation. How much are they going to rely on uh Rick Porcello coming off a down down year? Obviously, mm-hmm. he turns out to be a Cy Young winner, and you have uh Steven Wright at the time who turns out to be an all-star knuckleballer. Okay, fantastic. They go out and sign Price, but Price, we saw he struggled. Mm-hmm. But it came down to once the Red Sox, well, they totally blew my expectations out of the water. They were they were the best team in that that division. And too, no one was expecting Mookie Betts to be an uh, MVP. Oh, he candidate. turned into Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, and, and David Ortiz too. I mean, no one was expecting him to On have his retirement. The, the he was just out. unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I mean, there was a lot of expectations. And there was that questions the Red Sox hit. Uh, related to Hanley Ramirez. He was going to go play first base, but obviously he could hit. So there were questions surrounding the the Red. Sox before the season, but they totally blew out my expectations. Too, Jackie, Jackie Bradley Jr. had a phenomenal start to the season, and fantastic. that helped them win so many games early on. So, the Red Sox, as we spoke on this, if you're still listening on Blog Talk Radio, thank you. You guys are the best. You're the lifeblood of MVP. If you're joining us on YouTube, welcome in, Red Sox fans. This is your segment. We're talking the most recent deal. All right, let's give credit 
where credit is due. Dave Dombrowski, okay? Like, coming, you know, we kind of know the track record of Dombrowski as a He's GM. allergic to prospects. Well, sure, but yeah. he's a go-getter. And that he comes from Detroit, and he went for it in Detroit. Now, they're going to be paying for it for several seasons, uh, maybe as soon as not, not 2017, but maybe after. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of holes in that in that roster. But you look at Boston, there is such a healthy mix of really talented young players and the mix to go win it now. And really with the 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 young players too, I mean, you have a lot of young players in the lineup, but where the, they kind of lack the, the youth there is probably the rotation. Because your, your starters are Porcello, Wright, Price, and Sale. I mean, Sale's probably, I think Sale's the youngest out of those three, and Sale's obviously the best out of those Sale, Purcell, yeah. four. Or whatever, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- it seems like that's the only place where they don't have youth. Where you you, you kind of see you do have Ro- Rodriguez, uh, who, who came up and, and is a top prospect, but the, those guys you don't have a lot of youth with the the Red Sox rotation. Sure, and when I look at well, let's talk about their moves first mm-hmm. before I really dive into this this roster and this depth chart because I really really like it. Yes, they gave up Moncada and uh, Moncada and a lot of other top prospects. Uh, in, in that Chris Sale deal, the Michael Kopex, uh, the Basabe, and Victor Diaz. But I look at it, they get a top-of-the-rotation starter. Now, what happened in the playoffs, Sean? It was their rotation kind of fell apart. They didn't have a chance, right? So you move on, and you get a solidified starter. And obviously, this rotation during the regular season is just going to carry them, despite uh, David Price's struggles last year. He's probably going to have a bounce-back season because he's David Price. He's, he's a damn good pitcher. And then... You have Rick Porcello coming off his best season as a starter. It's like, whoa, Stephen Wright, all-star. Drew Pomeranz acquired last year, last season uh, from the Padres. I know it was his first full season as a starter since uh, I think it, w- it was like his second season in the majors. Mm-hmm. But this was his first year. He threw over 100 innings. I think he totaled 170. Struggled a little bit with Boston, but he's he's uh, definitely in the mix for that rotation. I would take Drew Pomerantz as my fifth starter. And then you you move on, and you have Clay Buckholz, who is kind of a question mark, but then a young lefty in Eduardo Rodriguez as well. So there are so many options within this rotation that will carry them throughout the regular season. Then you move on. They make a move for third baseman, or I'm sorry, late-inning reliever Tyler Thornburg from Milwaukee for third baseman Travis Shaw, who I was surprised they got rid of, as well as uh, two mm-hmm. other prospects. So then you, the back end of that bullpen, because they lost Junichi Tozawa and um, uh, uh, Koji Uehara, yep. sorry. Uh, now you have it, Kimbrell Thornburg. Joe Kelly, too. How much you want to rely on Joe Kelly, I'm not sure. But you, that, that eighth and ninth inning is solidified. That's important. Obviously, we saw it in the playoffs how much that is important. And then they have to replace David Ortiz. Now, Mitch Moreland may not be the most sexy option, right? But that offers diversity that they can do at the first base position and within the lineup. Hanley Ramirez can play can DH for you while Moreland plays first. So I really, really like the offseason to this point for the Red Sox by Dave Dombrowski. Two, I mean, looking outside of the moves and actual players, I mean, you saw the picture that I sent you of, of Pablo Sandoval. I mean, How about it? he dropped a Pablo Sandoval. I mean, the guy the guy looks skinny. He looks in, in like in shape, and we know how good Pablo can be. And He's a just motiv- been brutal lately. A motivated Pablo who is healthy. Yeah. I mean, this can be a, a finally something bright for, for, Come um, back for the Come back player of the year opportunity, yeah, absolutely. Seriously. I mean, that's, that's one thing, too. And then you have 
obviously have the veteran leadership of Pedroia. I mean, this infield won't be the best, at least, you know, defensively. But, I mean, well, the Pedroia, corners, yeah, but yeah, Pedroia, middle, yeah, the Pedroia, middle Pedroia, is really yeah, but, I mean, like, Sandoval, I mean, Sandoval at some points has shown a good glove, but, I mean, Moreland's yeah, nothing yeah. to write home about at, at first base here. But, really, I mean, you're going to get great contact hitting from Pedroia. You're going to get what you got from Bogarts last year, which was phenomenal. Sandoval, at his best, is near a 300 hitter, and Moreland's at least going to be able to drive runs in. And then you also have Betts as well. You have Bradley oh, yeah. Jr., who's oh, fantastic. Look at this. Oh, and you have Bendetti as well. Bentendi, yep. So, I mean, uh, I love it. And, and really, the one, one part where it's like, uh, I don't know where this where you're going to get a ton of production is the catcher spot, even though Sandy Leone wasn't awful. Blake Swearert, they have another young player that mm-hmm. they have faith in at the catcher's position but you look at you you nailed it you absolutely nailed it in terms of Thank their you. talent you're welcome uh <laughs> young player wise as well as depth i mean xander bogarts one of the best shortstop in baseball He's uh, awesome. quite frankly and then dustin pedroia obviously proven veteran all-star and you can go on and on for his work ethic hanley ramirez totally proved he can play first base and a stud hitter Pablo Sandoval, now th- this is the question I have for the Boston Red Sox. How much production are they going to get from third base? I mean, they, they can kind of supplement that throughout the lineup in the outfield because Jackie Bradley Jr. turned out to be legitimate last year. He had one of the best seasons uh, of, of you know his career, obviously, mm. and among uh, center fielders in baseball, and as well as Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is turning into a legitimate superstar. And then you have a young Andrew Benatendi. Are you kidding me? This outfield is legit. And I'll tell you what, that third base, uh, you can you can get a bye with a Brock Holt who can play anywhere in the infield, but if you get anything from Pablo Sandoval this year, that is going to be exciting. Seriously, I mean, in, you don't have him to have a career year like he has had previously where he was hitting around like 340 or whatever you did ridiculously in in San Fran, or 330 I think it was, uh, in, in 2009. But if you get a, a season like he had in 2011, 2010 where he was hitting... 315, 300, dri- you know, driving in 70 to 60 runs. I mean, that's going to be something big for this Boston team because if you look at this, I mean, this actual like lineup that you can bring out. I mean, Pedroia might be batting like seventh, or if you do want to put him at the top of the lineup, he'll be batting second. But I mean, you have so much depth down the line. I mean, it's going to be difficult to actually see what this lineup can look like, and you're going to be dangerous one through pretty much eight, and it's something crazy. And you pair that with a guy like Chris Sale, who has not got run support throughout his whole career. I mean, looking at what Porcello did, I think Chris Sale can win 25 games and maybe lose only four or three. Sure, I mean, that's the, how dominant he can be. With that offense, absolutely. And Chris Sale is finally on a team where he can... Make pitch the playoffs. In, pitch in the postseason. Absolutely, yeah. and that's the thing. And we, we're going to go back to that conversation because it's a, it's an important one as we look at the Boston Red Sox. Last year, their downfall was the production from their rotation, and you can't blame Dame, Dave Dombrowski for that. Mm-hmm. So what he did was go after it, and he got a top one of the best pitcher on the market today and one of the best in baseball. So you have Sale, Porcello, Price. Probably the best, second best lefty. I was going to forget about Kirsch. Second best lefty in baseball. Well, you can argue he's better than Kershaw, but I mean, it's a very tough argument to make. But Chris Sale is legit, mm-hmm. obviously, and we've seen that. And we see this Boston Red Sox team. I think they're legit, but I tell you what, I'm not going to say that the Red Sox are the team to beat in the American League yet. I still think it's Cleveland because right now, and two, Enwin Encarnacion is still on the market. And that goes because, well, Mark Trouble as well. Mm. They want these power hitters. Jose Bautista as well. And Bautista. Yeah. They're asking for so much money and a lot of years. And teams are not willing to commit that kind of market value to these players, especially the you know these big-time hitters. Especially guys like 
Encarnacion and Bautista because hitters. of their age as well. Sure, and yes, that's that's another uh, factor. But you look at Encarnacion, and he's in the mix to become a Cleveland Indian. And if that happens, I, you know, bar, bar none, I think the Indians are the best team in that in that. American League. And as long as they can stay healthy, I mean, you, you're That's bringing back Brantley as well. I mean, and, and this rotation's going to be fully healthy. They went to the World Series healthy. without Brantley. And Salazar and uh, Carrasco. Carrasco as well Absolutely. in that rotation. I mean, you, you're you able to keep those guys healthy. It's going to be tough for the Red Sox to overtake them, yeah. uh, at least at least going into the season. Because I think the Red Sox can overtake them uh, You know, going through the season, the way the season plays out. But going into it, the Indians are still going to be, in my mind, the best team in baseball, or the best team in, in the A just with when they're healthy what they can actually put out there I'll tell you what if Cleveland was at full health similar to what the Chicago Cubs were I think the Indians win that World Series that rotation I don't think anybody can touch them Carrasco, Salazar, Tomlin, uh, Kluber mm-hmm. like you don't yeah are you kidding me that's not fair and then also you don't have to play Coco Crisp or Rajay Davis sure and you can put my, Michael Brantley out there who's sure. a legitimate all-star you don't have to there. rely on Tyler Naquin but we're we're I'm sorry, Red Sox fans, but you know this is going to be an intense American League. Uh, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun too. With the Astros, with the, the moves they made, I mean that lineup's just as dangerous as this Red Sox one. And really, with the Astros, the only thing holding them back is really can Keiko bounce back to where he was. In, in, in the Cy Young, and also they're still in the mix for Quintana too. So if they add him to the rotation, you're going to have three teams in the Indians, Astros and Red Sox, who are going to be dangerous, and you still always can't write out the Blue Jays because they're always popping in the playoffs, but still you, they're falling off, especially if they're going to lose both Encarnacion and Bautista. Sure. So, I, I mean, the three though in, in the Astros, Indians, and Red Sox, it's going to be a fun Yeah, out. absolutely. This offseason is not over yet, so no. so much parity left to be made here. <laughs> I mean, the White Sox can still trade away half their team. And that's probably going to happen. Yeah. So if Red Sox, if you're interested in Jose Breu, that's not going to happen. Anyway, no, that was a uh, final a thoughts. Move. Not at all. Final thoughts on the Boston Red Sox. I, I said for the White meant for the White Sox. Right. Oh, well, yeah, for them. If they get rid of Breu, that's a good move. Yeah. Uh, so for the Red Sox, applauding Dave Dombrowski. Like, fantastic job in acquiring the best pitcher arguably in baseball, as well as getting one of the best late-inning relievers in Tyler Thornburg. Are you kidding me? 95-mile-an-hour fastball, 80-mile-an-hour curveball with, like, 12-6 action, and an 87-mile-an-hour change. Struck out 90 in 67 innings pitched, so that's a lockdown eighth-inning guy. You look at that whip, 2.9? Yeah. Jesus Christ. That, yeah, under one is fa- ridiculous. phenomenal. So, wonderful job there. They lost Travis Shaw, but I think they can manage without a young, young third-base prospect who impressed me in the major league level but overall this Boston Red Sox team is among the best in baseball and definitely one or two in the American League so good job Boston love baseball all right we're going to move on now onto our next topic and that is the Washington Nationals boy the Nationals huh now people people are kind of especially in the industry I'm reading that the reactions from the Nationals trade for Adam Eaton giving up Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning. I mean they didn't give up Robles, mm-hmm. but he's still maybe going to be going to be on the table. Uh but Adam Eaton, Adam Eaton they, they were in the mix for McCutcheon and the Nationals got Adam Eaton. They lost on sale and they lost Melanson. So they had to do something. Mhm. And Adam Eaton, is he worth the number three prospect in baseball as well as other top prospects in the game? Remains to be seen. Now, we, we've seen Adam Eaton a lot in Chicago, Sean. Yeah, and one, one thing, too, with giving up the third prospect in baseball in, in Giolito, 
people are saying that his value was going down too, so it could have been a sell-high opportunity for the Nationals. But looking at Eaton specifically here, I mean, in right last year, he was one of the best right fielders yeah. in baseball, at least defensively. I mean, he was ridiculous in right field, making him go back to center. He was fantastic in center, a little bit worse, but and it is a big center field in in, in Washington there. But I, I still think you're going to get a guy at the top of the order who can lead off, who's going to get on base consistently, and then you're going to back that up with Murphy. You're going to back that up with Harper. I mean, it, it's it sucks with what, what they're doing. I mean, it sucks with what was happening where they were in on McCutcheon, they were in on Melanson, they were in on Sale, and then all of that falls through. But, but still, I think the move for Eaton, especially with the rumors coming out that Harper wants $400 million and Rizzo is like, yeah, we're, we might not be interested okay, in paying let's that. let's win it now because, oh boy. That's pretty much it. we got to win it now. So we might see the Nationals just pull a White Sox, clear out all of the, an old White Sox move, clear out all of their prospects yeah, just go and, and all go in. freaking in. Because you have Scherzer, you have Strasburg, who... Obviously, oh. obviously, Strasburg, when, when he's healthy, one of the best pitchers in baseball. But he can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. And then, and then you have Gio Gonzalez, who's been off and on, and then Rorick, who's been off and on. But when you Young Joe Ross. If you, if you add one more pitcher to that, you're going to have a rotation that can compete with the Cubs. Oh, for, with, without a doubt. Without a doubt. We, we and still, you need to win now for if you're the Nationals. Oh, no doubt about it. That's the main thing. That's why they went out and got an Adam Eaton, because they, they had to fill their center field position. And... <laughs> I don't know, because I think Adam Eaton is so valuable in right field. And you, you look at the defensive run saved difference from uh, in, in terms of Adam Eaton in center compared to right field. He blows that number out of the water in right. He's like a seven war in right, and I think it's like a four or five in center. Yeah, I mean, he's still... He's still a good player. An above average center yeah, yeah. fielder, but he's such a good... He's among the best right fielders in baseball, but does that mean you're going to move Bryce Harper to center? I doubt it. God, no. I mean, Bryce Harper can play center field, but Adam Eaton probably is the better center fielder of the two. So you look across the the outfield, Jason Worthless, uh, Adam Eaton, and Bryce Harper. Not terrible. Worth was awful in the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, Nationals fans, I feel your pain. Not being able to get out of the NLDS in, in three, what was it, 2012, 14, and most recently yeah. 2016, not getting out of the NLDS, that is rough. That is absolutely, oh God, I can't even imagine. But you look at that rotation. And you add in Adam Eaton, this lineup's legit, especially the emergence of Trey Turner. He's going to play shortstop now, most likely. And you look at this lineup, Max Scherzer, like you said, Strasburg, Gio, Rorick, and then Joe Ross. Really like Joe Ross last season, but how much are you going to rely on him? Uh, obviously, Scherzer's the workhorse, hmm. an L. Cy Young winner, absolutely. But that missing piece when they didn't get Sale really hurts them. If you look at that rotation with Sale, obviously it's so much better it's, without, it, than without. If, it, if they have Sale, it's the best rotation in baseball in my mind. You have Scherzer, who's a two-time Cy, yeah, two Cy Young winner. Uh, you have Strasburg, who, when healthy, is better than anyone on the Mets, in my my opinion. And then you have Sale, who's one of the best lefties, like we've said. Uh, you add that, you have one of the best. You have the best rotation in, in baseball. But the one thing with the Nationals now is you lose out on McCutcheon, Sale, uh, all all these other guys. You lose Melanson to the Giants. Now you need a bullpen yep. here because there is no, no. one there. You're not going to rely on Sean Kelly. You're not going to mm-hmm. rely on Oliver Perez. I mean, you need help there, and you need help desperately. So you're either going to throw a ton of money at Kenley Jansen, who pretty much knocked you out of the playoffs, or you're going to go for David Robertson, who's been up and down with the White Sox and really hasn't been that great since he was on the Yankees. Sure. No, I agree with you. Uh, You look at Sammy Solis, and he's probably their best reliever in that bunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're right. I mean, Trevor got to. He was pretty solid last year. But I look at uh, the, the, the Nationals... 
in terms of what they need definitely relies on that bullpen. If you're going to go after a reliever, who's going to be on the market left? Chapman just signed a major deal. Melanson's rumored to get almost similar to what Chapman got in 86 mil. Uh, I think it was 52 what he got, or 53 or something. Uh, Jensen? Oh, uh, Jensen. You said Melanson. Oh, I meant like, yeah. well, well, Chapman, Chapman, I said. In, Chapman got the record deal, and Jansen's close to a record deal. Yeah, and Melanson, too. Melanson, yeah. you're right, was uh, signed for 52, which is still a lot mm-hmm. uh, for for a closer. I'm sorry, four years, 62 mil. 62 with the Giants. God, we're go. all over the place here. But no. Too many com- contracts. So much is happening. But in comparison, you look at uh, the relievers left on the market, they, they didn't get a chance to get Wade Davis. The Cubs made a move for Wade Davis. And, you know, Melanson's off the board. Uh, Chapman's off the board. You're going to invest in Kenley Jansen? I don't know. Uh, th- and then that leaves David Robertson. Two years, 25 mil, doesn't look too terrible in terms of the market um, uh, among closers right now, but you're going to have to give up something, too. And you do really want to do business with the White Sox again? And one thing, too, the White Sox also have Nate Jones that you can you can also throw into that deal. And one thing that was thrown out was Robertson Jones for Ro- Robles. So then you're that's pretty much I'm doing you're it with the White Sox. And, and that's pretty Gimme. much... If if that happens, then you're getting the trade would pretty much be Eaton, uh, Robertson, and Jones for the package of for that you were going to get with Sale. So you're pretty yep. much trading Sale, getting everyone that you got from the Red Sox, and then you're also getting Eaton and all of this. And it, it, if that happens, I'm getting that personalized Rickon jersey. <laughs> I don't blame you. We're going you. back to the White Sox. I don't blame you, White I mean, Sox I'm, fan. Um, but if you guys, uh, Nationals fans, you're listening on YouTube, thanks guys. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, mm-hmm. let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. If you're the Nationals right now, you're in you're in win now mode. You're in desperation mode. You're gonna have to go out and get someone. And Rick Hahn's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna manipulate the hell out of you, Mr. Rizzo. So, uh, do, and this is where teams overextend. This is where teams. It takes one dumb GM, and I'm not calling uh, Mr. Rizzo a dumb GM, but it, it takes one desperate GM. Sure. And, and that that's the thing. It, it's if Rizzo gets desperate, if he sees that Harper's gonna be out on the way out, you know, a guy that you is, is pretty much the next star behind Trout. Uh, of of the MLB, and you you see that Scherzer's getting older. You see that Strasburg can't stay healthy. You're gonna get desperate, and you're gonna make a move. And whether that's giving up all of your farm system, or you're just gonna overextend on a contract, and that's where we see this comes to bite people in the ass. Absolutely. And I want to just touch real quick before we end this conversation. Let me ask you this question: Do you think the NL East is going to be the most competitive division in baseball next year? Because With the Marlins, Mets who are healthy. With the Nationals, I'm going to say in all of baseball or in the NL? In all of baseball. I think it'll be second to the AL East. Because okay. I, think, I think the Orioles will still Orioles be competing the uh, Red Sox. Yankees had a hot end of their, their season. Yeah, they're, Clint they're Frazier and Gleyber Torres coming up. Yeah, and you had the, you had, uh, what's his face, Sanchez hitting yeah, the Sanchez. cover off the ball. So and, and the Blue Jays obviously are, are there as well. So I think that it's going to be... Either one of the East, I'll say the AL East just for now because you still have the Phillies and Braves. Okay, that's so fair. you have four teams in the, the AL East and three teams in the NL. Yeah, I'm really interested in how the Marlins play out the rest of this offseason because obviously they're dealing with uh, the untimely loss of Jose yeah. Fernandez, and I mean they signed Anderson Volquez, and I well, mean that's not a fair. That's no, not a one-to-one no, there. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. But they still have pieces there. They were in the mix, guy. Like mm-hmm. last year in this division, until Stanton got hurt, they fell off, made a late run, but still weren't. You know, they finished seventy-nine and eighty-two. That was impressive for the Marlins. But in their last ten, they were three and seven too. So. Yeah, it was by then. It was over. You know, yeah. mid-September they were out of it. But you look at that division, the Marlins. 
I'm, I'm intrigued by them a lot. Uh, the Mets, obviously, with that rotation healthy again, they're going to be in the mix. Uh, speaking of the Mets, they signed Jonas Suspid yeah. is back. So we're going to talk about that as this podcast progresses. But you look at the Nationals, Mets, Marlins, and even the, the, the Phillies and Braves. Both of these teams went through major uh, rebuilds, but they're filled with young talent. Lots of kind of, I don't want to say intriguing because I've said intriguing a lot, but there's intriguing guys all over their roster. So yeah, but with the Braves and, fun. It, with the Braves and Phillies, they're years out. I think they're mm, I think the Braves are out. one away, one year uh, away from not being legitimate contenders, but actually from getting 70 competitive. Wins. Well, they could win like 75 yeah. maybe uh, after 2017, maybe I mean, even 80, 80 wins. I'm going on a limb here. You got Swanson and, and Freeman, but I mean, really with that rotation... It, it's well, they'll diff- figure it out. I mean, you have Cologne and Dickey, and then you, right now, yeah. yeah. But that's the one thing is, is with the Braves, it's, it's tough to say this team Trade will be competitive in, in a year. Well, you, you have Jaime too, but I mean, <laughs> and I think you still have Tehran. But it, yeah, I mean, the thing with 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 the Braves is, I think it's it's it, it's too much to say a year out. No, I'm not okay. No, a year, but you said a year out from being competitive. I'm still saying I don't know about a year out. Okay, from being may, maybe not competitive. Well, competitive in terms like maybe not a seventy five World Series team, but like not. Totally terrible, but hey, all right. I still think they might be totally terrible. <laughs> that's that's fair. I mean, we, we haven't really seen much from the Braves to constitute any yeah. other reaction. So anyway, fi- uh, final thoughts in this uh, Washington Nationals conversation. It's been so much fun talking baseball this entire podcast, but I look at this Nationals team. Are they the favorite in the East? In the East, yes, without a doubt. I, I still think they're, they're the favorites in the East because the Mets still have Injury problems. I mean, you don't know questions how, within that rotation. You don't know how Harvey's how Harvey's going to come back. You don't that know how Wheeler's going to come back. I mean, the the offense isn't. I mean, the offense. Uh, okay, yeah, the offense is black. Uh, but yeah, I'll say I'll say Nationals because they don't have to deal with the health concerns like the. Yeah, Mets I'm going to agree with you. I think the Nationals are definitely a team to beat in the East so among the top three teams in uh, the NL. They so, are. They're number two. So really good. Really I would say number two behind the Cubs. Behind the Cubs. <laughs> so really awesome. Hey, stuff. we might get we might get the Crosstown World Series. With the way this in is 2021? going. In 2021? Yeah. Oh, a little bit. You'll have to wait. <laughs> Bryant will be 32 or whatever. Is he? What is that? No, well, he's, he I, won't even be 32. He'll be like 28. Right, anyway. Uh, God, that's yeah, scary. scary to think about. It's <laughs> scary. <laughs> Addison Russell and, and uh, Schwarber oh, and all these other guys. God. Anyway, really awesome Schwarber stuff. Schwarber could have been a... Sock for fuck's nah, sake. Nah, 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 nah. All right, we look at the Washington Nationals. Really awesome stuff this offseason. I mean, it sucks for them missing out on, you know, kind of. I don't of know like, if it's awesome. It's it awesome admit- for to, as a fan. Yeah, yeah. Not of the, the, of the Nationals, the, <laughs> necessarily. The it's swung and missed. Because they're a big a problem uh, with the Cubs. But hey, really interesting stuff. They got Adam Eaton and they missed out on sale. It's unfortunate, but mm-hmm. they traded a large package. Guys on the move, they're desperate. They need to win now. So let's see what, how they play the rest of this offseason. Overall, Really, really exciting stuff as a fan from baseball. We move on to our final topic now on Behind the Pen. Blog Talk Radio listeners, thank you very much for staying with us. I'm with Sean Anderson of the Fast Break Podcast. We've had so much fun talking Major League Baseball offseason moves and everything else that went down this uh, winter. And we're going to kind of end this show with winners and losers and some notable deals throughout the offseason to this point. December 8th. On YouTube, I what's up? Anyway, uh, be five days from now, so something's yeah, usually gonna happen. Yeah, Ricky. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's the way we schedule it. No, absolutely, yeah. it's not Ricky's fault, even though it kind of is. I look at <laughs> the off season. He's gonna be so pissed at you. That's fine. He's always pissed at me. I look at the off season, and the one striking deal immediately, and it was kind of the one that kicked off the off season, was the Ioannis Cespedes move. Yeah. He, he first of all, 
opted out of that because he just played the Mets. He totally played the Mets. Signed that mega deal last year, and he opted out after the, the one year. He made like 28 mil mm-hmm. one season. And then he signs a mega four-year, $110 million contract, which is about 27.5 average annual value. I'm not sure if that is... Uh, I'm not sure if it's front-loaded, back-loaded. But I also looked at that and said, that's it? Because I felt like the way he played him, I thought he was going to try to get more than that. That's or at a least, lot of money. Or at least put four it, years? But it, I thought it was either going to go for a longer contract or a more expensive contract. I, just the way that he play, it played out, I thought it was going to go for a, Maybe more years, but 110 mil over four years is a ton of yeah. money. And you look at the remaining free agents in the offseason, I mean— Encarnacion wants similar type money, but we talked about it earlier in this podcast. He may not get that. He may have to lower his uh, kind of asking price a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but 110 mil compared to what Dexter Fowler wants, that guy would probably. I would be if I'm the Cubs, four years, 60 mil. I'd do that in a heartbeat for Dexter Fowler. Uh, I think he's that valuable. But like, oh my goodness, that's 27 and a half million dollars a year for Cespedes. But it it's makes it. sense for the Mets because. You know, we talk about comfortability with this player, right? And he moved from Oakland to Boston to Detroit and now to Mets. He found mm-hmm. a home with New York. He feels great there, especially we saw that run he made with the Mets in 2015 just carried them the second half of the season. And then last year, he made it, he, made, he had a good season for himself. But even in the latter half of that season, he was he, he just looked like he was jacked. Like he wanted he wanted to bring the Mets into the playoffs by like their collar, like I mean, he was he was ridiculous to 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 end the season, and that was the one thing that with with with, with Cespedes. I mean, outside of the playoff game that they lost, uh, he he was he was. I still think he was great, and, and the, the, his power hitting and his his cannon that he has. He also doesn't have the MLB years. I mean, you look at him; he's thirty one, but he doesn't feel thirty one. Sure, and he's so. he's built like a freaking truck, guys. He's like, he he unreal. So anyway, that was like. That was shocking to me that he, well, I guess, a high-profile free agent. I, I, the Mets, you can have them. That's fine. Just, it's fine. As a Cub fan, you can keep them. But moving on, Mark Melanson, we talked about this earlier in the show, signed with the Giants, four-year, $62 million, and that's a hefty price for a closer, especially one as valuable as Melanson. And one that you need, though, if you're the Giants. Oh, that, oh God, yeah. That was a, bull, that was a bad bullpen. And, <laughs> Just I mean, look at game four. And that's the thing. You have Melanson, you, you, win, you might win that game. And sure. The, 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 the if Cubs you don't might, take out Matt Moore, you win that game. The Cubs might be the uh, Cubs might we, not be the I would chance. be absolutely – I may not be here today. <laughs> because they, they, I don't know if they beat Johnny Cueto in Game Five of the NLDS. And that's the thing with with Cueto, the way he pitched, and now you add Melanson there, and and you still obviously have the the players in your lineup like Crawford and and, and Posey. The the Giants, it's it, the way they the Dodgers, it. the way the way the Dodgers are falling too, or, or possibly could fall with with their players leaving. I think this is a smart move for the Giants. Whether it's the largest was the largest contract for a closer, I think I think it's a smart move for the Giants. Oh, I like it a lot. Uh, especially since they need it in that bullpen, yeah. they were last year the worst bullpen next to the Reds in all of baseball. So, and that was ultimately what cost them the playoffs, uh, among other things. But that was solid, solid signing. Melanson's a really good closer, one of the best in the game. And continuing on the theme and trend of closers, Rollis Chapman, the Cubs traded for Rollis Chapman, and the Yankees got a huge haul of prospects highlighted by Gleyber Torres, um, one of the top. 30 prospects in baseball, and then they ended up signing him in the offseason. Five years, $86 million after the Cubs totally just used the hell out of him. Literally, he was throwing like 98 in mm-hmm. uh, Game 7. It was just, it was actually sad to see a guy who throws so hard he couldn't get it up there anymore because the yeah. Cubs just taxed his arm 
but rightfully so. They knew that he wasn't going to come back in the offseason, the Cubs' sake. But the Yankees managed to get a top prospect, revitalize their farm system with that package for uh, Chapman, and then they ended up signing him for a long-term deal. Now, when are the Yankees going to be good again? Let me ask you this. A year. When you're there, you a think year. you think they're out? The, the one question that I, I'm worried about with them is how much are you going to be able to use Chapman because I'm not too sold on their current rotation. But also, in that year... Bryce Harper's going to become a free agent. True. And I don't know if you know 2018? this. 2018? I don't know if you know this. Uh, Yankees got money. They do. And uh, they will throw all of that money, all of the $400 million towards Bryce Harper. So you're going to have Bryce Harper. You're going to have Chapman. You're going to have the slew of young guys like Sanchez, Judge, uh, Torres, like they, like, like you brought up. I mean, they're, they're going to have a stacked lineup. And the one thing that's like, eh, is the rotation. But sure. obviously, teams have proven that you don't need yeah, a rotation you can to fix get the that quickly. Yeah, uh, and they do have options in that farm system. Arietta is going to be a free agent too. Dylan Patances is, is still going is under contract for a while. I'm not sure. I think it was like 28, 2019. He's going to be a free agent. So you you have an opportunity to be one of the best late inning bullpens in the game, and Chapman solidifies that. So again, too. I mean, they had, again, they right? Had, and they got Chapman back. J- j- just just think of it. Last time this season, they had. Potances, Chapman, and Andrew Miller. I know. Ridiculous. Anyway, continuing, uh, one more closer on the move uh, was Wade Davis. Wade Davis acquired by the Cubs for Jorge Soler, one for one. Wade Davis will be a one-year guy with the Cubs. Uh, His physical check down, I know there were some questions over his uh, forearm, but this is one of the best closers in the game. Prove that he could be dominant in the postseason. Won the World Series with the Royals in 2015. Got the last out. And that's what the Cubs need. You have to have late-inning relief. And we saw that in the postseason this year, so that was an awesome move. Uh, and Jorge Soler just didn't fit with the Cubs anymore. Real quick, what are your actual thoughts on that? Do you, I like do, it a lot. You like it a lot? Because the one thing with Soler, too, is I mean, one thing we talked about was right after they won was talking about the outfield. Because obviously Hayward's been a disappointment so far. Uh, after his contract, One year, yeah. uh, Schwarber obviously was ridiculous. It's hard going to be not to play him, since, play you have, him. Yeah, since you don't have a DH. Zobris is going to be a weird position because Baez is emerging. Emergence. You have to play Baez a lot. Brian will with, probably be in left. With Fowler, too, It's it's if you sign him, if you don't sign him, I think this this kind of pushes towards you may sign him. Getting, Maybe. Kind of clearing I mean, out that, it's not that out outfield. Question. Almora as well. So, I mean, John Jay they signed. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think that it's the right step? Do you think out of all the people in the Cubs outfield that Soler was the right one to move. Yeah, no, uh, he had value. He's still cost controlled, mm-hmm. and I mean that he's only twenty four too. And Wade Davis is yeah, that's true. Wade Davis is one of the best relievers in the game. So, and given the fact that the Cubs were in a position where they weren't going to play him much, and to really gauge Soler's value, he has to get playing time every day, and he's just not going to get that on this roster. So they turned into a guy that they can use. And I like it a lot. And one thing, too, with, with, with Soler not going, and I, I know we don't want to keep this too long, was with Soler, he doesn't have to deal with the pressure of being on the Cubs anymore. He doesn't have to be, you deal get with the ring. pressure of, you get a ring, but you also don't have to deal with the pressure of, all right, I'm going to be a pitch hitter here. I have to come in cold off the bench in the World Series for a team that hasn't won in 100 years. you got to start in the World Series, and it was brutal. He's a terrible outfielder. So, And now you're going to be a 24-year-old kid who can yeah. go to Kansas City where DH for you. they love you. I mean, they, they love their, their baseball team there, and, and, sure. and you don't have to deal with too much pressure. It's kind of with, with Giolito, too, with yep. Giolito being thrown into a Nats rotation where he has to back up Scherzer and, and Strasburg. Plus, they're in the middle of a playoff run. It's with a, the White Sox, he can ease you, in. You, yeah. need a, you need a win-now mentality where with, with Soler, you don't need really Really need that with the Royals because you have so many guys around you, but it's also not that big of a market and big sure. of pressure. And same with Giolito too, where it's it's a bigger market, but you don't need yeah. the pressure because the team. As isn't a Cubs fan, I really, I really do really like the move. But as we move on, 
uh, down this list. Ian Desmond to the Rockies, five years, 70 mil. I really like that move for the Rockies because you look at that infield, Arenado, Story, LeMahieu, and now Desmond, who will play first base. That's legit. Obviously, they have questions within the rotation. They have Chatwood, Gray, and Anderson who are exciting, and then Chad Bettis. I mean, you can rely on him too, but he's a. Uh, but you, you look at the the Rockies uh, playing at Coors Field. Obviously, Ian Desmond. Oh God, that guy's gonna hit so many bombs, mm-hmm. so many bombs. That infield is gonna be so awesome, uh, and even their outfield. If they want to dangle Blackman out there, that's that's something to keep an eye on too. But the Rockies are making plays to be kind of relevant, so that was really interesting. Uh, Carlos Gomez. Carlos Gomez coming off his worst season uh, as a big league player signs with the Rangers. Uh, one year, resigns, 11, yeah. yeah, resigns with the Rangers. One year, eleven and a half mil. Eleven and a half mil. That's kind of. I was a little surprised by that. But also, we got to see what's the actual bonus. What's actually guaranteed? Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, he's a comeback player of the year candidate, no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, Rangers are, I'm guessing, are not done. I think they were in on Quintana too. So that's something to keep an eye on. They definitely need rotation help. They also don't have a lot because they're a team that went all out. And sure. They have they don't have that much of money to to really spend on free agents and. But they're gonna, still the best team in that division, I think. I even think the Astros are, but with May, well, true. With that too, I mean, your prospects. I mean, you, you gave up so many for for Hamels, and, and I mean, you gave up so many for. Uh, for your catcher, uh, Lucroy, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it's going to be tough to make moves. So uh, that's going to be Ran- so fun with the Rangers. I think they're handicapped here. The Rangers because, and Astros, ugh. but also the Mariners. And the Mariners, think, yeah, they're the relevant. Mar- I think the Mariners can honestly be a, a good team here because I don't think you, sh- you can really sleep Got on Gene them. Segura. If they if they make a move for a outfielder a, a, in some capacity, I don't know who specifically. Maybe Melky, uh, and, and you could put him in left. And you possibly go out and get Quintana. If you could add Quintana and Melky to that lineup, I think the Mariners can be legit contenders. And and I'm not saying just in the AL West. I'm saying in the AL in general because Fair. you're going to have an outfield of Martin, Seth Smith, who's a decent who's a decent power. Yeah, you're, uh, on, de- the, de- you're, you're on the Mariners train, huh? I, I don't blame I love, you. I love the Mariners. And then you got Robbie Cano, who Cano bounced, was legit, who, who bounced back. Segura, who was a monster last year. Kyle Seager, who who's a Corey. I mean he's. No, Kyle. Oh, my bad. Kyle. I'm thinking of his brother. Yeah, yeah, my bad. His brother. Uh, not as good as his brother, but he's still a good player. I mean, you also have Felix Hernandez, who's been down, but still, I mean, he's still Felix Hernandez. And if he can bounce back like he can, you have one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm too hyped That's all right. Mariners you can hype train. the Mariners all you maybe. want. Right, we'll you see. got Nelson Cruz, too. <laughs> no doubt about it. No, I love it. Uh, moving on, we talked about the Astros. They signed Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran, one year, 16 mil. Uh, I like it. I love that move. I like that move. He's still mm-hmm. got pop in his bat. Josh Reddick also went to the Astros four years, fifty-two and mil. Brian McCann. Well, and Brian McCann. And they also got Nori Aoki too in that, that well, outfield. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a bench player. He's not bad. Not bad contact. Uh, and and that I mean I'm sure we're missing some, but we just went through kind of the the most um, I don't know talent. I mean the Diamondbacks made a move to get Tywin Walker. Which was surprising to me because I don't know what the hell the Diamondbacks are ever doing. No. I mean, they just—I guess they capitalized on Gene Segura's production at second base, but he's legit. They also got uh, the shortstop from the Mariners, so that was solid. Kettle uh, Marte. Yeah, thank you. And so, all right, maybe Diamondbacks do what you gotta you do. You have Goldschmidt too. You yeah. have Pollock and Center. I don't know, man. The you Diamond- have Granky hoping to bounce they, back. They had so many things going on with them in the offseason, too within their front office. I don't—I don't know the direction of the Diamondbacks. They invested so much in Shelby Miller and Granky. And yeah, Granky was a disappointment. Shelby Miller was sent can't down. Forget about Shelby Miller. That's so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the Diamondbacks. I'm glad we're not Diamondbacks fans. Uh, oh, and even Diamondbacks fans are, are glad they're not Diamondbacks fans. Those uniforms, too. I don't know Brutal. about them. I don't know about them. Stepping in bear traps and stuff. Jesus. Look, look, me, their ankles are all bloody. Give me 2000, the 2001. The, the, wait, the purple ones? Yeah. I love those purple ones. The Mark Grace ones. Uh, that's fine. 
Anyway, uh, final final topic. <laughs> we are almost at an hour here on this podcast. Thank you all for sticking around. I hope you uh, were entertained by us talking Major League Baseball because we were entertained talking about it. It's so fun. Uh, winners and losers, Sean, what do you think? Uh, well, who do you think were the winners and who do you think were the losers this offseason to this point, December 8th? Biggest winners, uh, the Sox in the AL, Chicago White Sox, Boston Red Sox. White Sox get rid of all of the 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 the, the grossness of, of Kenny Williams and, and Jerry Reinsdorf, even though they're still part of the organization. Uh, they, they 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 get Rick Hahn finally in control. They they finally get a farm system. I think they are on the right track as a Sox fan. I love it. Boston Red Sox too. You get one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's so hard to say you're not a winner after that, especially with the lineup you have. And I would say the biggest loser. Out of all of these teams, out of out of out of every team that has made a move or hasn't made a move, is the Los Angeles Dodgers because they are in a, a position where they're waiting on Kenley, they're waiting on uh, Turner. They're they're they they need to make some moves to to stay relevant because if they lose Turner, you're going to lose a third baseman, you're going to lose your closer in, in Jensen. Kershaw hasn't been super healthy, and, and and Dave Roberts did a fantastic job, but. I, I don't know if you lose that much and not are, and aren't able to regain any of it because there's not a lot of talk about it. I, I, I think that the Dodgers could be a loser. Good point. Uh, I will agree with you. Uh, but the Dodgers are definitely not done making moves yet. So to I this don't point, think so, but I think they might be a team that gets desperate and makes the wrong moves. Maybe they trade for Frazier if Justin Turner ends up signing elsewhere. But given the market, I'm not sure what teams are going to be willing to you know uh, put out that kind of money. But anyway, uh, my my winners and losers, I look at the White Sox, I agree with you, they're definitely winners. I look at the Red Sox, they're winners. Uh, I look at the Yankees. I think the Yankees are big-time winners. You talk about guys uh, in a team in rebuild mode that they made moves that suggest they're not really far off from a, uh, you know, a resurgence here, especially mm-hmm. signing Chapman. You still have Batances under contract. You replace Beltran with Holiday, which is a savvy little move there. So good job, Yankees. Losers. Detroit Tigers, uh, they didn't make really any moves at all. I don't think they did anything. Uh, the Tigers, I know they were competitive last year, but I feel like they they gotta they gotta do something. I'll throw one more too there uh, of teams that didn't make a move and should have made a move. Pirates not trading sure. McCutcheon. Well, I think so. I mean that that uh, they were probably asking for so much for McCutcheon. I mean more than what the Sox got for Eaton, and that's and then what the Sox got for Eaton was such a haul. But I mean, can you imagine that? The, but the Nationals, it, it, it were probably close to the sale one that they were giving up, and and the Nationals were the team that they were thinking about, and obviously so. they they were looking for a center fielder. So I mean, you look at that, and you I mean, you're pretty much just throwing in. You get Giolito, you get Lopez, you get uh, uh, Dunning, and then you get uh, Robles. So mm-hmm. I mean, that that's pretty much the package that you might be looking at, or maybe not Dunning, and you, you get a, a lesser prospect, or you just get the three. But that's pretty much the guys that you're looking at if you're the Pirates. So I think the Pirates sure. are not making a move is, is, is a loser. My final loser is um, the... The Twins well, are always a loser. Well, come on. Let's not knock them. Uh, Why not? Because <laughs> you feel bad for them. I don't. I'm a uh, Sox fan. Sure. They still have Brian Dozier. Uh, the, the Toronto Blue Jays outfield, well, big time bats. Those are the losers here because... Are we talking players? But well, for me, the, yeah. like you, no, going agree. from team to specific guys like Encarnacion and Batista, Encarnacion thirty three, looking for a large contract similar to what Suspet has got, and Jose Bautista, he's thirty six years old. I guess he doesn't, uh, he's not wanted in Toronto, which is kind of sad. He's not wanted in Baltimore, <laughs> and and yeah, you saw that too. That Baltimore hates him, so he's not Boston gonna, doesn't want to give so him. So they're going to have to lose out on uh, what the figures. Um, are in their in their contracts, so that sucks for them. One place that I, I will say might be w- interesting for 
Jose Bautista, and maybe it's just because of their past, and maybe it's going to be, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass here because they, they are in rebuild mode, but and, and they already signed Matt Holiday, but maybe the Yankees. Give him a short porch, 36-year-old, sign him, sign him to a one-year contract. may have to take a one-year deal. On, on a prove-it contract. I think that, that might be an interesting idea How much there. more does Jose Bautista have to prove, though? Prove that he can do it at that age, though. Well, I mean, if he wants that kind of money, I, I don't I. No, no. <laughs> I'm not a major league baseball player. I'm not saying he's not bad. I'm not saying he's not bad. Yeah. Of course not. But Encarnacion, let's keep an eye on that. I'll probably do a show. Maybe a place, once he does sign. Maybe a, that's the story. Maybe a placeholder for Bry, uh, for Bryce Harper in sure. right field. Maybe. One year placeholder for Bryce yeah, Harper. Yeah, he's just like here you here you go here you go there you go. money money money. <laughs> that's look. that's the one thing as a Sox fan. Like we're we're coming up, but we also have to deal with the Yankees. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Um, so all right, Sean, thank you so much for Thanks jumping for on me, to uh, behind the pen. It's always a pleasure. As always, um, you know, it's so fun talking Major League Baseball. I had to have a partner in crime on the show today because there was so much, so much that went down in the winter meetings over the last few days. Um, this offseason is not over yet, boys and girls. 12-8 uh, right now, December 8th. So keep an eye on that. Uh, pitchers and catchers report, well, uh, that they report in, what, February some point? So I'm excited. I'm just so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm fidgeting right now. Anyway, thank you all for listening. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, sticking around for this whole hour-long podcast, I really do appreciate you. Uh, be sure to share, like, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Available Podcast. Sean, we're at over 4,000 subscribers. Thank we you, are. guys. Don't forget to uh, roast Mark Weber. Yeah, Mark Weber roast. We're doing that. Yes, we are. Um, if we get to 5,000, we can roast Ricky. Yes. So that's something to keep in mind. So let's let's get there. It's guys, an easy target, too. Sure. It's it's so fun talking sports with you guys. We do it uh, because we love it, and we love you. Uh, hopefully, you can stay around. I'm at Rankin906. He's at Schwarbo on Twitter. Be sure to follow us, follow Most Valuable Pod. Become a patron, patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. We'll entertain you more so than we already do. And for Sean Anderson, my name is Mike Rank, and this is Behind the Pen. And as always, guys, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.